0: So pretty much everybody remembers, if you were alive, you remember 9-11. Like, how many of you can remember exactly where you are when that happened, right? I, I remember it. Um, Don and I were fast approaching our, our wedding. And so I was living in an apartment, and Don was living with a friend. And, and I remember uh, the morning that 9-11 happened, I got woken up by Don. She woke me up, and, and the first thing she said is, the Pentagon is bombing us. And she was in shock, and the news was so much, she w- you know, it was like all this stuff throwing, and I was like, first, I was like, the Pentagon is bombing, like, what is going on? And, you know, she was just, it was a lot of shock. I mean, how many of you had, like, shock? Yeah, it was like, you couldn't even process, and it was like, you didn't really know, because I remember, you know, watching some of the films that came out after that, it's like no one really knew what was going on, and so, who, you know, who knows? And. And then as we kind of learned what was going on, it was it was more horror, more grief. And then after that, you know, traveling has never been the same, right? It just has not been the same. I, rem- I remember I was telling my kids, yeah, it used to be you could walk right up to the gate to see people off, right? Thank God that that doesn't happen anymore. Just drop them off and go, right? But like traveling changed. And so a lot of people who have been born after 9-11 you know don't even know that it used to be really quite loose the the security was quite loose and you know in my family my own cousin i have a second cousin uh, suzanne Gertie, and she was killed in one of the towers so like i everybody knew somebody that knew somebody but i had somebody in my family who actually was killed in one of the towers and is part of the memorial now and so don and i so 9-11 happens in september and then in october we get married and and then we go on our honeymoon and Don and I had decided to go to this resort in Virginia. And it was this, it's called the Love State. And it's this really beautiful resort in the mountains. And we went and on our honeymoon, one of the things that we did was we went to go travel up to Washington, DC to do the tour. Have any of you ever done the Washington, DC monument tour? Some of you have, it's like absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, it really truly was life changing in many ways. but. We went on and we had so much fun because we got to this, they were like, you had to be there at 5 a.m. And so we woke up and we got there and we, we looked around on this big tour coach and we realized that we were the only people under the age of 70 on this tour. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. And so we go on this tour and we're just traveling all over Washington DC, seeing all these different beautiful monuments, and um, and we found out that it was just a bunch of retired people doing this, and it was really neat because they found out that we were on our honeymoon, and so they're like, oh, you don't have to pay for it, it's on us, and, and then at the very end of it, we stopped at retired people's favorite place in the world, the Golden Corral, and I was like 22, and I was like, yeah, all you can eat chicken wings, and just mouth on them, and you know, and uh, it was, but it was really sobering because we had an opportunity drive right past the pentagon and we saw this building with a huge hole in it and there was burn smoke burns all over it and we got to see the light poles that got taken out when this airplane crashed into it and i just remember that the world changed in significant ways in 9-11 like there were some major shifts that happened both in our country but also i think globally Um, But three things also changed at that time in the culture of the church. And I remember three things that that happened as a result, I think, to 9-11. I mean, it was not very um, long after 9-11 that churches were super full. People like went back to church and they were were back in church. And I remember the church we were going to at the time. I mean, it, it was a small church like ours and overnight it felt like it just doubled in size. There were just tons of people who started coming back to church and started going to church more regularly. Another thing I remember is people started praying a lot. Like it felt like people really started pressing into prayer. um, And there was a lot of reasons for that, but people started praying and really, there were a lot of different calls to prayer. At that time, I remember different prayer, parachurch organizations started having prayer meetings and people were praying. And then there also was this phenomenon probably about two months after 9-11 that I started seeing pretty commonly. And it was that people were serving in significant ways. My, my own sister, my sister who's right below me, her name's Michelle. Um, she is the golden child in our family. And I just wanna put it out there that we all know that she is. Like she was always the one, like when I was a kid, I used to get in trouble for everything. Like I couldn't get away with anything. In fact, at one point in time, I liked to listen to music that wasn't Christian. Okay, this guy named Snoop Dogg, all right, and I figured out a way to treat, to trick my parents. Okay, we, my friend dubbed a tape. There used to be these things called tapes. Okay, and and so my friend made a Snoop tape, and on the outside he put Jesus is cool, DC Talk, and I was like, brilliant. She's never gonna know. And then my mom walked in my room and she's like, what are you listening to? And I was like, Jesus music, of course. And she's like let me see it and then she grabbed it and she went upstairs and put it on the stereo and i was just like oh it's not good and i I, i'm like how do you know everything i do and she used to always say well the holy spirit told me i found out later that the holy spirit was my sister she's a little narc okay it's like bad you know she's always ratting me out and um and so it was interesting though, cause my sister later on, I mean, as much as I give her a hard time, she is an amazing human. She went to school, she got out of school and she served in missions for 20 plus years now. And her, her and her husband, and they have almost as many kids as us, uh, but they have lived in Israel, they've lived in Scotland, they've lived in um, a lot of different countries. And now they're in the country of Cyprus and they've been serving um, political refugees essentially for the last 15 years. And, just doing a lot of amazing things. But before she did that, she and she joined this group of people and they they went to New York City a few months after 9-11 just to help serve and to clean up the city and to just be a a person who served. And she served along thousands of people, alongside thousands of people. And so I remember those three things. Churches were full. I remember people were praying a lot. And I remember there was like an emphasis in our country to serve. Like I remember hearing a lot of things that that Kennedy said. Remember how Kennedy would say, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for you. It was like this total cultural shift in many ways where that became somewhat uh, an orientation that people had. And and, and it's interesting because I think it seems like human beings respond to crisis in several ways. And that was a reminder of that. Like when crisis come, when, when tragedies happen, People have a tendency either to get angry at God and blame God for everything or they they turn to God and they press into God and they seek after God's face. Have any of you noticed that? It's not, those are not the only two options, but they tend to be pretty common things that happen. So last week we started this new sermon series that we're calling This Is Us. And our focus has really been to think a bit about what kind of a community we want to be. But that kind of assumes that we are a community. It assumes that that our our church community is not just me, but it's actually we. And that's kind of our slogan. If you wanna know what is the slogan for this this church series that we're doing, the sermon series, it's this. It's that the church isn't a me, it's a we. And so we're looking at scripture. And last week we looked at Ephesians chapter one. And what we did is we saw that Paul only uses plural pronouns when he's talking about The mystery of the gospel and the beauty of the gospel and the application of the gospel, it's all us. We, we have been marked by grace. And so in the same, the same way this morning, what I want to do is I want to read a passage of scripture. I want to pray and then we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about it. But let's read Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 15 and listen to what the apostle Paul writes here. He says, for you were called to freedom brothers and sisters only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another listen to that again listen to those words for you were called to freedom brothers and sisters only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or your sin nature, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Father, we are here gathered together as a community. And, and my prayer has been that we would have a shift, a a transformation in the way that we think about church. And it would be not a destination that we go to. It would not be me, but it would be a community of people who are marked by grace, who have experienced your love, who who are responding with a yes and an amen to your invitation to join your mission. And so Father, I pray that you would raise the bar in our hearts that we would see our calling, we would we would be willing to engage in your mission and that we would seek to engage with your spirit and walk in the power of your love and so i pray that you speak to us this morning and challenge us encourage us give us hope just do all the different things that you do so well we pray this in the name of jesus amen so paul has this really complicated relationship with the church in galatia Galatians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I know I say that about 66 different books of the Bible, but I love Galatians. It is it is so rich, and I feel like I can relate a lot to Paul in many ways um, as as just a person who's been in church for a long time, but he has this super complicated relationship. It's very complex, and the reason why is because Paul had planted his church. What had happened in in, in the course of the developing of the New Testament, if you know anything about church history, you'll probably know that the church um, started to, to grow after Jesus. So Jesus comes along, he lives a perfectly sinless life for 30 plus years. And then he is, he's arrested, he's, he's considered a criminal, he's found guilty even though he had never sinned and then he's sentenced to death and then he gets crucified. And he's crucified, nailed on a cross, and then he's displayed for the whole entire world to see essentially, and then he, he dies. And then the good news is, is that by the power of the spirit on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. And that gives us Easter hope, and that Easter hope is something we have um, attainable. We have it, it, it's something we can hold on to every day of the year. But after that, after Jesus is raised from the dead, he's seen by all these different disciples, Um, In fact, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're told that over 500 people saw the risen Jesus. And then he ascends to heaven, and then he sends the the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to fill and live in all other followers of Jesus. And so one of those people that comes to faith at that time is Paul. Paul had been a man who had previously persecuted the church. He, He was responsible for killing Christians, and he is hardened against the church. He doesn't like the church at all. In fact, what he thinks is that the church is a is a a mistake, it is a false teaching and that Jesus is not the son of God and is not the Jewish Messiah. But something happens because he's traveling to go persecute more Christians and he has an encounter on the road to Damascus. And Jesus himself appears and then he goes to this transformation process where Paul begins to see Jesus for who he actually is. He sees him as the Jewish Messiah. He sees Jesus as the son of God. He sees Jesus as the person who fulfills all the promises of the Old Testament. And so he he turns to Jesus as his savior, his lord, his Messiah. And so what happens is and this is what I love, I think this is very common is if you read the book of Acts, this is what you see. You see you see kind of the story where Paul's a bad guy. He's known as Saul and he's killing Christians. And then like a chapter later, he's like planting churches and writing parts of the Bible. You're like, whoa, that's pretty quick growth, right? Like, I don't know about you, but it feels like it takes forever for me just to pray a little bit more, right? But here's what we don't know is that from the time that Paul like stops killing Christians to when Paul is serving in ministry is about 12 years. So 12 years takes place. And over those 12 years, Paul spends time praying and studying and engaging with the other apostles and he grows and he he learns and he gets completely convinced and, and called by God to serve as a church planter. And so what Paul does is he, he when he goes and launches into his ministry, he starts traveling with another um, couple people and they start planting churches. And one of the cities that they go to is the city of Galatia. And they get to this region and And they start preaching the gospel and they're sharing about who Jesus is. They're telling all of these Galatian people, um, many who were Jewish and then some who were Gentiles, non-Jews. And he talks about Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament. Jesus died on a cross for your sins and my sins. And if we have faith in Jesus, if we believe that he was raised from the dead, we can experience salvation in the here and now. We can inherit eternal life. And all these Galatians, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit opens up their hearts and they respond and they say, yes, I want that. And they come to faith. And then they start forming this this little community called the church. And and Paul is pouring himself into this community and he's loving on them and teaching them. And then what happens is after a period of time, Paul's like, I gotta go. I got things to do. And so what happens is Paul, Paul continues to to multiply churches. He goes to another city and spends time there. And that was Paul's Paul's priority was to continue to raise up churches. And so what happens is Paul's left Galatia and he's he's hearing things though. He's hearing little rumors about what's happening in Galatia. And, and he finds out that what happens after he leaves is a group of false teachers move into Galatia and they start teaching the Galatians like, listen, I know that Paul said that if you have faith, that you can be justified before God. You can have peace with God by believing, but it's actually more, there's more to it. You have to follow all of the Old Testament laws. Here they are, there's 613 different rules and regulations. If you do all these things and all you men get circumcised, then you can experience salvation. And the crazy thing is that many of them said, okay, let's do that. And so Paul hears that. And he, as the founding, you know, founder of this church, is, is what do you think, what are, the, what are the feelings that he probably has? He's furious, okay? In fact, in Galatians, if you, if you read it in the original language, which was Greek, you can actually get the sense that Paul is super, super, super mad. We have a word in my house that I'm not allowed to say, but that's what he is, okay? He is upset, he is angry, he is furious about the fact that all these people who had heard the truth of the gospel have abandoned it to go back to trying to earn their salvation. And he's trying to say to the Galatians, listen, you can't earn your salvation. There's nothing that you can do that can make you right with God. The only person who can do something to make you right with God is Jesus, and he's done it, and it was his death on the cross. So he has this really, really strong letter that he writes, and he's essentially not very warm in it. If you read, like, Philippians or Colossians, Paul's like, I love you so much. You are the joy of my ministry. I'm so in love with this community. To the Galatians, he's like, hey, morons. Wake up. I'm serious, he is super, super strong language here. And he's essentially telling the Galatians in this book to keep focused on the primary aspects of the gospel. He says, you need to not only believe by the power of the spirit, but you need to walk in the power of the spirit. And he he fleshes this out as he writes this letter. But what I think is interesting in this passage we just read is he makes this really interesting statement where he says, do not use your, your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, meaning an opportunity to sin, an opportunity to participate in things that are contrary to the kingdom. He says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for sin, but through love, serve one another. Serve one another. Really, really interesting here because this call to freedom, um, I don't know about you, but... That's something I'm very, very grateful for living as an American. Like when I go to other countries, I've seen countries where where people don't have that same level of freedom. And I don't know about you, but I like it. Anybody else in the room like freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to eat tacos whenever you want tacos? Anybody? Yeah, right? I mean, we have a lot of freedoms, but what Paul's talking about here isn't this political, cultural freedom? He's talking about spiritual freedom. And he's saying, because the Galatians were spiritually free, they needed to use their freedom for a purpose. They needed to use their freedom for a purpose. He says, through love, serve one another. And so Paul then says this, though. He goes on in his passage to suggest that that if he were going to summarize the Old Testament, and so if you have a Bible with you or if you have your phone you can you can look in the Old Testament there's 39 books Genesis is the first and it goes through, there's historical writings there's narrative, there's poetry, there are prophets, the minor and major prophets there's all this different various Jewish literatures in the Old Testament and he says, listen, if I were to summarize all the rules and regulations of the Mosaic Law the Old Testament Covenant, if I took to all 613 of them And I wanted to tell you what they mostly are about. I would tell you they are mostly about love one another. That's what he says. He says it's mostly about loving one another. And and I've been thinking a lot about that in the last couple of days as I've been kind of just meditating on this passage. And what's fascinating about this call to love is how it's connected to serving, right? Like Paul says that to summarize the law is to love one another. But then he just as quickly connects loving one another to this idea of serving one another and and i think that's because love is far more than a feeling amen amen i mean this is where our our modern culture and society has lost its mind because it's like most people think love is just a feeling which is why people fall in and out of love all the time right there's no sense of of covenant or commitment in the way that people think about love today but biblical love is different love is not just a feeling it's 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 something that we have to actually live out and express love is not just words can i get an amen that's what my wife tells me all the time right and it's true though like if if i'm honest i feel love when i experience love words are super easy aren't they it's super easy to say love you See you in 10 years, right? Or I loved you then, don't now. It's like it's been 15 minutes. Things change, feelings change. I mean, the perfect example of this all the time for me is like when we were in junior high, I remember I met this girl. Uh, My parents had, we started attending this church and her parents invited my parents and grandparents over. We went over there and I met this girl and I was like, I am so smitten. I am going to marry this, this woman of 15, okay? And I was convinced, like I was positive. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never ever loved anybody as much as I love this person. And two weeks later, I was like, thank God. Thank God we did not go out. I can't stand this girl, right? It's because feelings change. And I think that's one of the challenges of any relationship, especially marriage though, right? Like when you get married, you sign up for certain things and you don't know that you sign up for other things but you need to realize that whatever you get is what you signed up for, right? Yeah, all the married people in the room are like, amen. All the men are just keeping their mouth shut, though. That's all I can see. But it's true. Like, love requires it to be lived out. And that's essentially what Paul is, is talking about here. He's saying that love, love is supposed to beckon us and invite us and nudge us and push us and and cause us to want to live it out in a way that actually helps and blesses other people. That's what Paul is saying right here. And I mean, there's no better example, folks, than Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus, oftentimes I hear people say things like, well, I, I like Jesus. Jesus was a great guy. I don't know about the church, but Jesus was good. I'm like, well, what makes you, what makes you so attracted to Jesus? Well, Jesus just came to preach love. And that's true, right? Jesus did preach love. He preached the kingdom. But there's parts of this, of the gospel that we need to realize is that that not only did Jesus talk about love, he lived it out by the way that he he served. And, And we see that Paul has this beautiful statement in Romans 5 where he says that God showed his love. Other translations will say God proved his love or demonstrated. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And just as an aside, that's why I think we need as followers of Jesus to have a biblical definition of what love is. Because I think most people today feel like love is just a feeling. It's, it's the goosebumps, right? Like, oh, I just felt this is a warm, fuzzy unicorn crawling up my heart and just felt so good. But love needs to be defined in a different way because what I think we see in scripture is that love would be defined like this love is when we are willing to do something for another person regardless of whether it benefits me right think about parenting that does not benefit us right i mean most of the time you're like i'm going insane i think i'm losing my mind like so love when it's when it's biblically defined means that i am I am so in love with my kids, just to use that illustration again, I love my kids more than anything in the world, but I am willing to do and experience whatever is needed in order for them to experience blessings and goodness and, and, and happiness and joy and all that, right? And so love has to be defined in this way where it's not, it's not self-serving, but it's outward focus. And that's what we see in the teachings of the Bible. And Jesus demonstrates that by the fact that he dies for us and serves us even though we don't deserve it. And so here's a really good question for us to ponder. I think each of us need to ponder this question. Are we loving one another if we aren't serving one another? Are we loving one another if we aren't serving one another? And for as long as I've been a part of the Vineyard Movement, which is most of my life, one thing that's always stood out to me as being Not unique, we're not the only church movement that focuses on this, but I loved how as a kid, even though I oftentimes didn't understand a lot of the things that maybe were being taught or or spoken of by, by the adults, what I always loved is that we've always, as a movement, tried to say, hey, listen, the way that we believe should impact the way that we live. So it's not good enough just to know what's in the Bible. We need to live what the Bible teaches and so it's about putting our faith into action. And so if you're looking for opportunities to serve, because every single time that we talk about serving, what I think is beautiful about our church community is that we all, don and I both have a lot of people who come up and say, hey, I wanna get plugged in. How, how can I serve? What are some areas of need? And you know, most of us, we all say one word, kids. <laughs> or like, we're desperate, okay? And, and it's true, but there's a lot of other ways too. Because one of the things that I think we have to think about when it comes to serving is serving in in connection with our gifting too, right? Like, how am I gifted? How am I wired? What am I passionate about? And so I just want to mention, just as a quick aside, we have some sign up forms back there. If you are looking to get plugged in, you can let us know. There's a number of ways that you can you can sign up to be a green team, coffee team, music team, blah blah blah, or you can just say, I will do whatever you want. And then I will be like, you are loved. You are deeply loved. So here's what I, I want us to kind of land on for, for this morning. Is, is this idea to, to love and to serve. And to serve and to love. Like those things are intertwined. Let's stand up together. I, I, I want to have a little bit of space where we have an opportunity to pray together and and we're gonna we're gonna invite folks to come forward if you want prayer for anything this morning um and that could be anything and before i launch into a couple things that i had to sense that the holy spirit wanted to do today um there's a bible verse in james that says that um god resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble okay you all heard that statement before god gives grace to the humble Right? And I know one of the most humbling things is to say, I have a need. It's like, I don't like doing that. Do any of you like doing that? It's like awkward, right? But I do know that God responds to us when we humbly position ourselves to receive. And so we're going to have an opportunity to receive prayer this morning. And if you want to receive prayer, I'm positive. I think that God, not think, I'm positive that God wants to meet you where you're at. But I had had two things this morning that I I had a sense that the Lord wanted us to lean into a little bit. So, again, I just want to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit's presence. Not because he hasn't been here, right? We know he's been here. But when we pray and we say, come Holy Spirit, it's our way of, of putting out publicly, we would like God to be active right now. Amen? We want him to show up. When I was going to a Pentecostal church, um, I used to always hear this, we had this expectation for God to show up and show off. And I love that because I think God does want to show up and I think he does want to, he wants to meet us where we're at, amen. And, and so I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes right now if that helps you to hear from God. And just to open yourself up to however God might want to speak to you. And, and i had two things this this morning it's kind of been just one of them's been on my heart all week long but but the first is this is i had this sense that there's a number of you in this room that when when mel was talking about how god is here like you just could not connect to that and i've had so many times where i can't connect with what mel is saying either just kidding <laughs> joke mel <laughs> But there's been a lot of times where I just cannot connect with that. Like if people will say, oh, God is here. God's presence is here. And I just felt like totally like, I don't even know what that means. And, and I, so I had this sense that that the Lord this morning wants to awaken you to that reality. And, and like I almost felt like God's gonna give you this morning discernment to be able to discern when God's presence is, is near. And that's gonna... Increase your ability to respond to God's presence, and so that's one thing. If you're here this morning and you, I want to be courageous, and you can just feel that desire. You you have that desire to be more receptive and more um, more discerning of God's presence. We would love to pray for you. And so, if there's anybody here that say, "Yeah, that's that's me," I would like to discern God's presence more. I want to I want to be able to know when He's at work around me or in my life if that's you this morning i'd love to invite you to come forward we're just going to pray for you is there anybody in the room that would say yeah that's morning you say yeah I just I just don't know if I can recognize the voice of God I don't know if I can recognize God's work and God's God's spirit his presence but I want of you in the room right now where you really want to respond, but you're a little afraid. So I'm going to pray right now in the name of Jesus, that fear would be broken right now, and that the fear of what other people would think would just disappear right now. second thing that I, I had this, there's this verse in the, um, in the Old Testament where, where the scriptures declare that mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's just been on my heart all week and I've been praying and I was asking the Lord, like maybe this has to do with, I, I, at first I had a sense that that's what we're called to. We're called as a follower of Jesus, my part of my mission is to help other people to hear that mercy triumphs over judgment, but I had this particular sense this morning that there's a number of you in this room who have been carrying this, this shame and condemnation, and you have this sense of judgment that just follows you wherever you go, and this morning you need to hear that mercy triumphs over judgment, amen, mercy triumphs over judgment, and so if that's you, if you're here this morning, you feel like you're just constantly held down and that you just don't feel mercy this morning. We wanna pray for that too. So is there anybody in the room that can connect with that? Just feeling condemnation and shame at times. If you have any other prayer requests, maybe you have some unspoken things or things that you're not ready to maybe out there, but you would like to receive prayer? We'd love to pray for you as well. And so, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask and invite any of our—if you are comfortable praying for somebody, if you've ever prayed for somebody, if you're part of our ministry team, if you have a pulse—you can come forward right now and help. So Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence right now. We thank you that you are at work right now in each one of these people's lives. You pray for your... Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to worship you and to experience your presence. And Lord, as we continue to to pray up here and maybe to to just fellowship and talk, Lord, more than anything, I ask that the message of your kingdom, the message of your grace, the message of your mercy and your love and your truth would so transform us that we would not live as people who have not been we have not been changed by those things. And so go with us as we go into the world around us and help us to be good ambassadors, good representatives, good followers of Jesus. We pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done here in Red Bluff as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, folks. If you wanna keep praying, feel free to do so. We'll see you next Sunday.